about that? Rachel's always got a good word for us. I'm so glad you're here today. My name is Chuck. I'm privileged to be the pastor here at Sugar Hill Church, and I'm so grateful you joined us today. If you're our guest or new around here, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I think the guys have a QR code they can pull up for us or you can fill out just a quick guest information. And if you take your camera out of your, uh, open up your phone, open your camera app, they're gonna put a QR code up in a minute and you can just scan that and fill out just a quick uh, guest info. It'll take you just a couple of seconds. And uh, I promise you, we won't come bang on your door, won't mess up your night, won't bombard you with emails, but we do have a really cool gift we'd love to send to you and just say thank you for being our guest here at Sugar Hill Church today. Thank you very, very much. All right, so today uh, I want to talk about this text found in Mark chapter 12. But before I do that, I want to sing a solo. <laughs> and then right after that, I'm going to let you join me. All right, because I, I, if, if, unless you're under 35, you know this song. All right, it goes like this. Money, 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 money. Money, are you with me? Sing it with me, ready? Money, 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 money. Mon now sing it with attitude, you ready? Money, 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 money. Are you with me, right? Because we all know that song, all right? But I want you to hear the lyrics beyond money, 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 money. All right, listen to this. Money, 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 money. Some people gotta have it. Some people really need it. For the love of money, people will steal from their mother, for the love of money, they'll rob their own brother. For the love of money, people can't even walk the street because they never know who they're going to be. For the love of money, people will lie. Lord, they will cheat. For the love of money, people don't care who they hurt or who they beat. For the love of money. I know money isn't the root of all evil, but it does funny things to some people. Give me a nickel, brother, can you spare a dime? Money can drive some people out of their mind. Don't let money rule you. Money can change people sometimes. Don't let money fool you because money can fool people sometimes. People, don't let money change you. Who knew the OJs were such deep theologians? Did y'all know the OJ sang that song? Some of y'all thought about the Pink Floyd song initially, didn't you? I mean, how many of y'all thought I was talking about Pink Floyd? Can I see your hands? All right. You center hard rockers, you. I'm one of you. <laughs> but this was the OJs. I mean, I, who knew? I looked that song up a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, the OJs, wow. I mean, that'll take you back a little while, right? But the fact is, I'm not talking about money today. But some of you are going to think I am. Because... In this story, Jesus refers to money, but he's talking about something far more important. I, I recently spoke with some friends of mine who, uh, two different couples and separate occasions, but they said the same thing. They said, you know, uh, Pastor Chuck, I, I used to go to church and someday I'll probably go back to church, but my problem with the church is all they want is my, finish it up, money. Been there? Done that? Ever felt that way? Yeah, me too. I mean, believe it or not, I have. I know this cuts against, you know, it's contrary to popular opinion or thought. We don't like to preach about money either. So we're going to try to avoid it today and talk about something far more important than money. You know, I, uh, I've, I have had seasons where I felt like uh, preachers, pastors take it a little too far. Like, have y'all ever heard some of the health and wealth guys 
where they'll tell you if you give a certain amount of money, your prayer is going to definitely be answered. Y'all ever heard that on some of you guys? Okay, that's a lie. I mean, that's straight out of the pit of hell. That's just not true. Uh, you ever heard these guys who say, you know, if you give X amount of money, God's going to financially reward you X amount of money. You heard those guys say that? That's a lie. There's nothing about that that's biblical. Now, God will indeed bless you. He makes a promise that he'll do that, but he never tells you that he's going to give you a fiscal reward to your fiscal gift. Are you with me? But he always gives you something that is far greater than that. But the, the mind of the Alpha and Omega, the one which all things were made in and through and by and for, the King and Lord over all, money isn't his issue. You see, Jesus is not in the money business. Jesus is in the heart business. But Jesus tells this story that happens with his disciples at the treasury in the temple. Now, uh, one of the things that going to the Holy Land will help you do, if you ever have this opportunity to go with us, is that when you go to the Holy Land, you put everything into a mental picture that lets you kind of wrap your head around the story of Jesus. So when we picture a temple and a treasury, like we're going to refer to, we imagine this big palatial area, but, it, but it's not like we imagine it. It's probably the size of this stage. And Jesus is going to refer to he and the, the fellas are there at the treasury. And all he's saying to that is on this end of the, this area of the temple, the treasury is like this big bronze urn about twice the size of this table, all right? And then people would come and they would line up and they would go all the way around the room until they got to the urn and they would drop their offering in. But remember in that day, the offerings, they didn't have paper money, right? So the more you dropped in inside of that big copper urn, what would happen? The more you dropped in, the bigger the bang, right? And so... Uh, Jesus is going to tell this story about us, but when he tells this story, I want you to know that everything he's teaching about is a matter of the heart, not about the dollar. It's all about the heart. Everything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus, who we're to model our life in and by and through, everything he teaches is a matter of our heart, not about our pocketbook. Now, some of you have already checked out and gone TikTok and Instagram on me, all right? But now, we're, we're going to see this in one of two different ways, but I want you to listen to the story found in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now, it's only a few verses, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and find a Mark chapter 12. If you have your phone or app, go ahead and open that up, Mark chapter 12. And the, uh, the words on the screen will be from the New International Version, and then I'm going to read you the English Standard Version. But... In Mark chapter 12, beginning of verse 1, the scriptures put it this way, that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now remember, just kind of like we just described, right? Many rich people, what did they do? They put in large amounts. So when they put the large amount in, remember, there's no soft money. So what happened? Big bang. And many rich people there in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Now, as you look at that, and the guys go ahead and go on the next text, calling his disciples to him, 
Now, that is an important phrase. If you read that, calling his disciples to him, when you begin to understand the original text here, what we know is that Jesus is not saying, hey, fellas, you probably ought to pay attention here. Jesus is saying, come close to me because I'm about to point something out that is eternal. All right? This would be better translated, come, come unto me, get close to me, because when you get close to me, I'm going to teach you something eternal. Now, the reason why the term disciples is used is that Jesus knew he would be talking not to his 12, but to you. Jesus is not just talking to his 12. Jesus knew in the first century he would be talking to me and you in the 21st century. And what he's saying, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he's saying, hey, you who are followers of me or you who claim to be followers of me, you disciples, come close to me and listen. Truly, I tell you. Now, every time you hear Jesus say, truly, I tell you, Jesus is making a point and saying, this is a really big deal. This isn't just another lesson. This is a big deal. He's saying, fellas, this is a really big deal. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Or better, better paraphrase, she's put more in the treasury than the combination of all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, but in everything, all she had to live on. Now, you've heard the New International Version. Now I want you to hear the English Standard Version, which I love how they phrase it. It says, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came in and put in small, two small copper coins, which make about a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those others that are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. The widow, Jesus said, did something incredibly special. She gave from her heart, not from her wealth. Now, you say, Chuck, I thought you said this wasn't a story about money. It's not. Jesus could have used anything in his teaching, but he was at the treasury, so he talked about money. Now, you, you say, well, did he do, do that other one? Yeah, here's a fig tree. Let's talk about fig trees. Here's farmers. Let's talk about farmers. Here's wheat. Let's talk about wheat. Jesus had this unique way of understanding that we grow to become more like Christ when we walk with him along life's narrow way. Not when we show up for a worship service once a week or come to a group once a week, but that we genuinely want to walk with Christ day by day by day. Because as we do, everywhere we're at, he is already there and has a lesson to teach us as we walk with Jesus headed towards 2022. And so as we do that, one of the things that we want to wrap our head around is, so Jesus is at the treasury. So since he's at the treasury, what is he talking about? Money. But he could have been talking about anything because what he's really trying to get to is the heart of the matter, not the dollar bill, because it's all a matter of the heart. So some of you have already said, you know what, Chuck? I'm done. I'm one of those people. All you want's my money. I'm going to take you off the hook. If, if you think that that's what I'm looking for today, don't give a blessed dime. Nothing. And you, no judgment, no condiment, absolutely, I mean, no stink eye, nothing. Don't give a penny. I'm totally cool with that, all right? 
I want you to know that this lady displays, displays a grand heart because she gave from her heart, not from her wealth. There's no noise. Jesus makes a big deal about people who give without credit. Jesus makes a big deal to people who serve without credit. Jesus makes a big deal for people who share and love, not folks who do for a reward. The gift that she gives is a reflection of her heart. It shows how much that we're willing to trust God. You say, but, but Chuck, it's not, if you say it's about your heart and it's not about money, why money? Now watch this. Jesus isn't in the money business, but he knows how much money means to us. So when he talks about money, he knows we get all fired up about it. He knows that there's one of three kind of people in the room when it comes to money. There's the person like, you know, Pastor, we just, we just shouldn't be talking about money at all. I'm like, okay, then just throw away a third of the New Testament in. Well, Chuck, I just think we talk too much about it. Okay, I, I, I might give you that one. Or, or you know what, Chuck, well, you, you need to beat people up because I give 10%. Everybody ought to give 10%. Well, that just ain't going to happen. I mean, let's just be realistic about it. So you look at this and say, then if it's about the heart and not about money, then what is Jesus' point? Jesus' point is about to what degree do you trust him with the things that you hold dearest to your heart? Do you trust him with your relationships? Do you trust him with your marriage? Do you trust him with your children? Do you trust him with your grandchildren? Do you trust him with your health? Do you trust him with your money? The question is, do you trust Jesus? You know what I've discovered in my life? The times that I trust Jesus more are the times I, I worry less about all those things. And the times I spend all worrying about those things are the times that I've wandered away from walking with Jesus. And I don't trust the Spirit of God to speak truth into my life. And I allow Satan to say to me, I can't trust God with this because he's God and I'm not. Which is the exact reason why I should trust you. Because he is God and we're not. But you look at that and you say, the Bible tells us that it shows our heart when we determine what our true treasure is. I mean, hear me. It isn't about the amount. It's never about the zeros. And hear me. Jesus is not an accountant and he's not busting you on percentages. All right? The new covenant came... And when Jesus came, it wasn't about a law. It wasn't about a rule. It was all about your heart. It is the intent and the motivation of your heart that matters to Jesus, period. Christmas is coming, and there are people that you have to buy presents for because you just have to. Are you delighted to have to buy that $30 gift for that person that works with you that you know hates your guts? but you drew their name, therefore you have to buy the gift? Have you ever given that gift and you gave a better gift than you got? You ever been to that party? And when you got something that was less than what you gave, what did your heart say? Mm. Now you know what matters to your heart. Are you with me? Jesus is saying, stop that attitude because if that's the attitude when you give that, Keep my money. Ouch. Chuck, I did not come the Sunday before Thanksgiving to hear that. 
sorry. But now watch this. Some of us in this room are capable to sacrificially give a dollar a week. And now hear me, watch this. If that is a sacrificial gift that you and Jesus have settled is a sacrificial gift and you give that cheerfully, he will bless that like it's 10,000. But oftentimes what happens is we say, but, but Chuck, my little bit won't count. But see, you think, you're thinking about money, not your heart. Can you imagine a church where Jesus had every one of our hearts? Can you imagine if Jesus was in the right priority in all of our hearts and we stopped worrying about percentages and dollar amounts and decided that, wait a minute, this is, this is Jesus' work that we're about and God's going to do whatever God wants to do and God's going to do something special because we've decided to get our heart in line with Christ and we're going to let the Spirit of God walk us and talk us through what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. And then we're actually obedient because Jesus is about the heart and what comes with the heart is obedience. And what comes with obedience is gratitude and generosity, and kindness, and joy, and service, all those things that come between us. But the problem is if God is here and we are here, all that stuff in between us, Jesus is saying, it's like money. You got to deal with that if you're going to bridge that gap. But most of us want to give Jesus 50% of our heart and hang on to the other 50 Sometimes in the other 50 or the other 30 or the other 40 or whatever that percentage is, it's our relationships, it's our job, it's our 401k. Maybe it is our money. But we better figure out what's keeping between us and walking with Jesus because honestly, folks, this world is a disaster. And if we're looking for hope from the government, we are already messed up. If we're looking for hope because of more education, we're already messed up. If we're looking for hope from some preacher, we're already messed up. You know what we gotta have hope in? Christ and Christ alone. But why not trust him then? You say, well, Chuck, I just don't know. The number one reason people don't give, this is a scientific study. The number one reason people don't give is nobody asked them. So let me be clear. I'm asking. <laughs> I just thought I'd put that out there. Captain obvious, right? The number two reason people don't give is they don't trust who asked them. Fair, right? So I, I want to share a couple things with you. Many of you probably got this letter in the mail this week. If not, you'll get it the next day or two. Over the past year, about 110 new members, almost 100 people saved and baptized, dozens of students mentored every week, refuge coffee helping refugees in Clarkston, more than 45 leaders trained in Sugar El Espanol. Sugar El Espanol added over 100 people in regular Sunday service just in the last couple of months. 40 new members, already baptized six new believers in the last three months. Kids ministry hosted over 300 kids in VBS with 175 volunteers, 86 kids and volunteers in summer serve week. Shine ministry with almost 30 families serving families with special needs. <laughs> hosted more than 300 families through one sweet day events, 600 people representing 12 Latin American nationalities in Sugar Hill and surrounding areas, 60 more people in Wednesday night ESL classes, more than 100 construction workers saved in our parking lot, thousands of meals for families in need through the pandemic, a half million meals packed for people in Gwinnett County serving the Gwinnett Co-op, more than 100 boxes of food just in the last week, packing 350 backpacks of food for families every single week 
in 12 public schools, more than 800 children in the Yucatan receiving first Christmas presents, 20,000 pounds of corn, rice, and beans distributed among 250 families in Mexico, 6,000 pairs of shoes in West Africa, a new church plant in Peru and supported a network of 28 church plants among the Amazon River in Peru, 2,500 lives touched with the gospel there. Launched two churches here in the U.S. We've been on three foreign mission trips in the last year and a half. You're a pretty generous people. You packed more than 5,392 Operation Christmas Child boxes in the last couple of years, and you've given $1.25 million to local and global mission efforts in the last couple of years. You've given more than $185,000 to benevolence needs. You've sponsored more than 600 children through Compassion International. You fed and equipped more than 800 families in Kenya through Care for AIDS. You've invested in Nylinda Baptist Church in West Africa, and you've allowed us to be able to serve our public schools through FCA and Longhorn for Life, partnered with the PATH Project with a few hundred children, helping them get graduated, provided Christmas for more than 3,133 children in our community, and provided more than 1,750 meal boxes through the Gwinnett Co-op, and I could just keep going. So I read all that not to brag on this church, although I'm happy to do so. I read all that to say, if you can't trust Sugar Hill Church with that gift, find another church. Because I'm telling you, we're getting after it. On the way in this morning, I got a, I got a note from a lady who said, hey, uh, family of my school, Hispanic family, mom died of COVID. Got two preschoolers and a newborn and a dad in the house. They got nothing. They got nobody. They got no help. They got nothing. You know what I said because of you? This church will step in and do whatever we have to do. Amen. You say, well, now, Pastor Chuck, we got that in the budget, right? No. Well, Pastor Chuck, we probably ought to vote on that kind of stuff. Stop it. Do you really think Jesus wants us to stop and vote on whether we ought to help a family in need? Come on. Give me a break. We ought to go do what Jesus would do. You know what he'd do? He'd go tell those people about how he loves them, and then he'd show them how much he loves them. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go tell them how much he loves them, and we're going to show them how much you love them. That's what we're going to do. Why, why, why not? Come on. I promised I was going to be sweet today. I was going to smile. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm tired of getting notes about making me try to dance and be happy in church, Chuck, and be sweet. And I'm trying to be sweet. Do you know how hard it is for me to be sweet? I mean, it is exhausting. But I look at all this and I think all of that is sacrificial giving. I had a fellow walk up to me after the 9 o'clock service. And he said, I want to help with that, that family. He said, I, I, I don't know what I can do. And he said, but honestly, we, just, we don't have any money. I said, why don't you pray for him right now? Let's me and you pray. You pray. He looked at me like I had five heads. And I said, bro, you ain't got any money. Pray for him. Pray. He just started praying crude, kind of weird kind of prayer. I mean, you could tell the dude never prays. He's praying with me, and he's trying to figure out, okay, is God going to strike him dead or what the deal is? And, I mean, he prayed, and we got done. I said, now, what do you think we ought to do? He said, he said, if you'll let me, I'll go over there, and I'll help him. I'll cut the grass. I'll do whatever they need to do. And I thought, now you're talking. Now you're talking. That's sacrificial right there. That, now you're talking. You, you, you want to go over there and love on them? Yeah, okay, now we're talking. 
Some of us ought to give to help that family. Absolutely, you do see me after the service, and I promise you, every dime will go there. I mean, some of you need to go out there and grab those, those cards for those kids. Every kid gets vetted through our public schools. They're Title I kids that if they don't get Christmas from this church, they don't get Christmas. It's simple. You take a card. It tells you what age the kid is, boy or girl, what they need, what they want. You go buy it. You wrap it. You bring it back. Bring some extra gift paper and throw a $10 gift card so we can buy Christmas for a kid in the Yucatan. Why not, right? And you say, but, but Chuck, I don't have anything. Okay. Go over there and pray over those cards. Pray for those kids and ask what the Lord would have you do. You know what I've learned? If you want to give something, there's something to give. Amen. That's what it boils down to. Somebody like that one. The reason it's not about money and it's a matter of the heart is because when we, when we give, it's like giving our love. If, it, if it's give, giving grudgingly, it's not really giving. How many of you have somebody that you, like, you just love? Like, I mean, I'm talking romantic. I just love this person. Anybody ever get in this room? Like, I'm just like, hmm. Are, are any of you sitting beside them right now? Okay. I just want to check, see if I needed to, <laughs> need to book any more appointments this week before Thanksgiving. But... Uh, I want to do stuff for Jenny. You know why? I adore her. I mean, I'm telling you, this woman rescued me in a time in my life that I didn't know whether I was lovable. I can't wait to do something for her. You know why? She still has hold of my heart. After all these years, I love her more today than I did the day I said I do. I want to do something for her. Listen, friend, when you want to do something for Jesus, there is always a way to do it. It's a matter of your heart. It's that simple. I, I, I want you to know that sacrificial giving is about your heart, period. God, his most cherished possession is your heart, not your wallet. What's in your wallet, he already owns. It's just a matter of whether you trust him with what's already his or not. You say, well, Chuck, he didn't work for it. Well, he didn't have to. He's God. His plan is for you to. Some of you are working really smart and really hard, and you're making a lot of it. And listen, nowhere in Scripture do you get condemned for that. As a matter of fact, I'm begging you, go make it and make it big. I'm pleading with you, go make a lot of money. Because I believe when you can trust God with how you make it, you'll trust God with the way you give it. But now you, you're the only one that can settle that between you and God. Remember, Jesus is not a banker. He's not a mortgage broker. He's not a lender. He's not a bill collector. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He owns it all already, and he just wants you to give him your heart, which comes with obedience and love and joy. And when we surrender all that heart to all that he's already done for us, everything else will settle itself out. You say, but, but Chuck, I love Jesus with all my heart, but I'm broke. I know a lot of people like that. I, I, I know a ton of people like that. Matter of fact, I've been like that. I, 
I promise you, I know exactly what it's like to lose everything you own, including retirement. I, I know how to start all the way from scratch. Done it, been there. And I've learned this truth. If you don't trust Jesus with nothing, you won't trust Jesus with everything. Say, well, Chuck, that's not true. If I had money, I'd give it. No, you wouldn't. If you don't do what you can with what you have, you won't do more when you have it. But you certainly aren't giving God reason to trust you with more. So when I say it's about the heart, I'm going to invite you to do something. We're going to take a break in the middle of a sermon here. All right. If you got you got a purse, you got a Bible, you got a phone, you got a tablet, you got something in your hand, just set it aside. You put your hands in your lap. Just have nothing to distract you for a minute. I know it just gets weird every now and then. I get it. I'm going to ask you to put your hands in your lap, draw a deep breath in through your nose and hold it, and then when I let it go, you let yours go. You ready? Now, on this inhale, I want you to think of one thing you're grateful for right now. You ready? Did you come up with at least one thing you're grateful for? Maybe not. Let's try it again. You ready? I've learned that the single greatest way to start a time of prayer is to start with an attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful for. So let's, let's step into a time of prayer real quick. If you're capable, just kind of bow your head, close your eyes. And in the quietude of this moment, ask Jesus to reveal to you what might be between where you're at and where he wants you to be? The prayer might sound something like this. Jesus, I want to be all in. Reveal to me what stands between me and total obedience to you. I've, I've learned that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit nudges into our life, sometimes audibly. But I've realized that the, the Spirit of God wants to move deep within us to the degree that we can't help but know that the Spirit of God is welling up inside of us. That the Spirit of God wants to give us direction when we clear a path out of all of us and all of our stuff and we just say Spirit of God move within us and clean us up and clarify for us what we're to be right now in the awkwardness of silence don't let the distraction that Satan tries to scream into your voice right now rob you of having a moment with the Spirit of God. Clarifying for you, what is it that we need to work on in your life between where you are and where God wants you to be, all that God wants you to be? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it is money. 
Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's health. There's nothing that stands between you and God that he cannot remove. But you must trust him with it. Father, reveal to my friends online and the folks in this room, what is it that stands between us and where you want us to be? Would you clarify that in our, in our heart right now? Be so clear that we might even visibly, physically be moved by your presence to answer all that you want in our life. God, strip us of our foolish religion. Get rid of what we think anybody thinks about us. Speak into our life with such truth that we hear you and know you. I pray that in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Amen, amen, amen. Now I'm going to invite you to do something a little different. Up here at the altar is a bunch of little cards and pens. And I'm going to invite you if you'd like to. So many people did at nine. I'm not going to ask you to leave anything at the altar this time. I'm going to ask you to take this card and a pen back with you. And I want you to name what that thing is that the Lord has revealed to you that stands between where you are and where he wants you to be. And whatever that thing is, let God do a work in your heart. You say, well, why the card? Most of us are visual learners. Most of us learn when we're reminded. And I'm going to invite you, between now and the first year, I'm gonna invite you, write on that card what stands between you and everything God wants for you. And then every day when you see that card, maybe it's in your car, on your mirror, at your shower, on your coffee maker, wherever you see it every day, remind you of whatever that is. And every day, let your prayer be something like this. God, today, let me walk with you not with that. Remove what stands between me and you so that we can walk together all day long in wisdom and in knowledge and in your spirit. Give me that wisdom. I'm going to ask you to make that your prayer. So come on, get your cards and your pens. Write that and claim it. Come on, right now. All you got to do is start moving. Just write it down. There's something so powerful about naming that and claiming that and saying, I'm going to trust the God of all creation with that. I'm not fighting with it anymore. I'm not worrying about it anymore. I'm not going to go to war with it anymore. I'm just going to trust Jesus with that. I mean, friend, listen. There is literally nothing to lose but to trust Jesus with all that you have. I know it's not easy. I know it's not for the faint of heart. But the new covenant makes it abundantly important and clear that everything, including maybe especially money, is all about your heart. Where our heart is, there our treasure is. Fascinating read. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It is never about a percentage. It's never about zeros. It's only a matter of the heart. That's all. For some of us, what stands between us and all that God wants from us might be our kids' sports activities, might be our work, might be our possessions. But think about this. The question of motive challenges much of contemporary Christian activity. What is our motive? What is our intent? What is our desire? So if you haven't already, take a minute and write that card. What is it that stands between you and all God wants you to be? Because, bring that slide back up, Phyllis. The question of motive challenges every part of our Christian activity. If you feel obligated that you have to go serve, you didn't really serve. If you feel obligated you have to give, you didn't really give. Jesus is all about what's happening in your heart. That's why I think God cares more about how we do ministry than the end result. That's why it's not about how many people are at church or how many people you served or how many people came. And it's not even about how, much, how many dollars. It's, it's about our heart, period. Jesus isn't a payday loan company. He's not a title loan company. I mean, he already owns all the titles, y'all. I mean, it's, it's all his. But maybe it's not money. Maybe it's your kid's baseball team. God's not in the baseball business. I mean, God's not in the 100-hour-a-week business either. Jesus is all about heart business. I mean, I'll never forget the day I I had a... My my heart was checked out, and they'd run that needle up through you, and they'd take pictures all around your heart, and they do that heart catheterization. I'll never forget. I'm saying I could look at my heart on, on the monitor, and I thought... Wow, it's a pretty small thing. I mean, I was just glad they found one. I mean, there are a lot of people who think I don't have one. But when I was watching it pump, I was reminded, all that is Jesus' heart. It's all his. The only reason I exist is he allows that thing to keep pumping. Let every breath and let every gift and let every service be pointed to him, period. If we don't do that, we're doing nothing. I read that passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Before Jesus speaks on that, he takes care of a few other things in that passage. He talks first about caring for others. Then he talks about how to pray. And then he talks about how we ought to fast. And then he talks about money. And as if he wasn't walking in the first century, but in the 21st century, he says, and now don't worry. I got this. I mean... How does this widow and others, I mean, how how does it all stack up? We don't know the hearts of the others, but we know Jesus pointed out the heart of her. Now, why? Because it wasn't about the bang and it wasn't about the buck. It was about the heart. When Jesus looks at you and he looks at your heart, do you think he calls his disciples over and says, look at that. Now, that's what a cheerful giver looks like. That's what it looks like. That's a heart. But again, it's about affection and desire and obedience, not about the money. 
When Jesus spoke in the first century about your treasure, it truly had nothing to do with money. It, it had everything to do in the original language with character, with godliness. But let's go back to the widow and her offering to the Lord. Jesus doesn't just say, now that was cool. I mean, he says, truly I say unto you, I mean, this is a big, big deal. When her little two mites hit the bottom of that cauldron, there was no noise. There was no credit. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if when you gave online, there was this big splash across the internet that said, they did it. I mean, you talk about a dopamine hit. I mean, we would get it, wouldn't we? I mean, if there's something like that, I can't imagine how many Christians would give. You know why? Because we would strut like peacocks. Yeah. But that's not how Jesus works. He doesn't care about people that strut. Jesus isn't walking inside of strutters. Are you with me? He's walking inside of people that are living on the backside of the desert know what hurt feels like. He's walking next to people that are brokenhearted. He's walking next to people that are hurting. He's walking with people who have kids that are special needs. He's walking with families that are in the middle of crisis. He's, he's walking with them. And you know what? He wants us to walk with them. You know one of the things Jesus did when he pointed out this lady? He made fools of the most religious elite in the room. Because they thought it was about pomp and the circumstance of the temple. They thought it was all about the big clang when it hit the urn. And Jesus comes along and says, you fools, it's all about the heart. If you want to give something, there's always something to give because it's always about the heart. I had a middle schooler come up to me after nine when they heard about this little Hispanic family, we're going to help. And he gave me two crumbled up $1 bills. I bet Jesus called to some of the boys over in heaven and said, look at that. Truly, I say unto you, that kid got it. Because it's all about the heart. So I'm simply asking you, just to be clear, I am asking to give straight from your thought. But here's a couple quick thoughts. Number one, pray and determine what God might have you to give. Not out of guilt, emotion, obligation, or my ask. Don't, don't give because you, you have some spite or out of my request. Give only what you believe in your heart God has you to give, and then watch how he's faithful to bless you. Now, here's my deal. with those. I'm, I'm speaking to folks who don't normally give anything. No condemnation, y'all. I get it. I totally get it. Give whatever he tells you to give between now and December 31. And if you don't think God's lived up to his portion, all you got to do is shoot me an email, chuck at sugarhillchurch.com, and say, I don't think God did his part. No condemnation, no questions, no, I mean, nothing. I'll ask Bobby to cut you a check for every dime you gave plus 10%. You make 10% on your money between now and the end of the year, guaranteed. I, I say that because I believe God, period. I just, I just believe God. You say, well, Chuck, that just sounds kind of like a smart aleck way to go after. I promise you, there's, if, if, if you don't want to give, please don't give. I mean, don't, don't pollute God's cauldron. Don't do it. But if you want to give, give out of a joyful heart. Number two, determine if you can trust who you give. Like I said, I mean, number one reason that people don't give is nobody asks, so I'm asking. Number two reason people don't trust who you give. Well, you see how we use the money around here. 
give. You say, well, check out, I feel like I'm doing all I can do. And awesome. If God hadn't told you to do more, don't do more. If God tells you to do less, do less. It's that simple. It's a matter of your heart. It's between you and God, not between me and you. This has nothing to do with me. And then the, the last group they would say, well, Chuck, I'm giving a lot now. I mean, I'm a giver. Let me just stop and say thank you. I mean, doggone it, thank you. I mean, look at all the stuff that the Lord lets us do because of your generosity. Thank you. But let's be clear, it works both ways. It's a matter of the heart. Are you giving out of your wealth or are you sacrificially giving? It works both ways. But hear me, friends. The OJs were right. It's amazing what money would cause us to do. There's one group of people right now who said, Chuck, I turned you off. I don't want to hear about money. and I don't think it's the church's job to talk about money. Well, you, you take that up with Jesus. He's the one to talk about it. Take that worry to him. Now, you're welcome to send me a mad, mad email. I get four or five a week. Just send them on. There's some of you just saying, Chuck, I, I'm, I'm just squeezed here. I can't do it anymore. Got it. No sweat. And there's some of you who say, you know, I'm going to trust God with whatever, and we're just going to see what God does. And it's been good. Because it's all a matter of your heart. And whatever's between you and where God wants you to be, you got to deal with what's in your heart. I don't care what it is. Wherever that disobedience is, if you want to walk with Jesus in 2022, you got to deal with the issue of your heart. God, thank you that you made a big deal about a woman who did a little bit. God, you can speak right to us, normal people that just... Lord, I can trust you with a little bit. I can trust you with it all. I can trust you with a bunch, but I can trust you. So God, every morning of this week, let us ask you for wisdom and strength, forgiveness and grace. Let mercy fall from on high and let your spirit surround us and let it just literally be absorbed into our soul that we could know and hear and walk with you all day long. And know your power. Great is your faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.